Canine Cast number 54. It's brought to you by Home Again Pet Recovery Service and ID Microchips on the web at homeagainpets.com. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter with your Canine Cast recap. In case you missed the last Canine Cast, Canine Cast number 53, we had a discussion about dogs and whether catnip was safe around them. We also talked about dogs that can detect cancer and a news story about coyotes living in cities. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. He's having to deal with with Toby trying to climb up on the computer desk as he's talking to you all tonight. So uh, this, this is already turning out to be very interesting. <laughs> I guess Toby just wants to get to the microphone and say hi. That's right. That's right. Or uh, or some something like that. And wants to be wants to make sure he's an active participant in the show. Um, tonight, for tonight's show, we're going to be going over some feedback that we've received for some recent Canine Cast episodes, as well as talking about planning for your pets um, in the event that you are unable to take care of them either. You know, if you um, you know, if you pass away, or if something else happens where um, you would need other people to take care of your dogs for you. So first, we're going to go over some of the feedback that we've received. Um, we have a couple of emails from people who actually did send in some information about their dogs watching TV and um, their experiences with that. The first one is from Janice, and she writes in: "I was really interested in your comments on dogs watching TV." I have four dogs, Cammy, Ivan, Bouncer, and Jasper. Bouncer will do what you describe your dog doing. If he hears something interesting on TV, he'll run up and look at the speakers. Cammy and Ivan pay no attention to TV at all. But my Jasper dog, an Australian Shepherd, one year and five months old, is really reactive to things he sees on TV. If he sees a dog or another animal like a horse running on TV, Jasper runs to the set and barks at the dog or horse or, tonight, turkey. Sometimes he tries to bite the animal on the screen. Once or twice, I've seen him look behind the TV to try to find where the dog went. Sounds draw him too, but movement on TV is what really pulls him in. I've never had a dog as interested in the TV as Jasper is. He's a hoot. He also loves to chase laser pointer dots. Well, thank you so much for telling us about your dogs, Janice. Um, Jasper sounds sounds like it's got to be a lot of fun to watch him around the TV. Uh, chances, you know, you have an extra form of entertainment there. Not only the TV itself, but also your dog's reaction. Um, it's it's kind of interesting, and in that you mentioned that he is an Australian Shepherd. So, it, and the way that you said that he runs and tries to bite at the moving animals on the screen, it almost sounds to me like he's trying to maybe herd the animals that he sees on TV. <laughs> Take him to a best. Buy. I was going to say I thought he might be trying to herd the TV. I mean, obviously it's not that the case, but it, it'd just be <laughs> funny. Just the idea of taking the dog to the Best Buy to herd all of the televisions there. Ooh, yes. If they if they had a, a whole bunch of turkeys up on the up on the screen in Best Buy, then that would just be a, a Jasper delight. It sounds like. <laughs> so, uh, so thank you so much for sending in your your story about him. Um, that's it's it's so funny the different ways that dogs react to things. And you know, and and as you pointed out, your other two dogs pay no attention to TV at all. So it's just a really really individual thing with the different types of dogs. So um, we have another email that came in about, um, about some other dogs watching TV. This one comes from Tennille. And Tennille writes, The theory about nose length and dogs watching TV is extremely interesting. I have a corgi and my parents have a bulldog. 
Our corgi ignores the TV unless there is an interesting sound. The bulldog, which obviously has a much shorter nose, loves watching dogs on TV. The nose length theory could be the explanation. Now, um, now the dogs that Neil's talking about are um, are Tori and Chopper. Uh, Tori's the corgi, and the bulldog is Chopper. And we actually have pictures up of them in the listener gallery, and we have a picture of Jasper as well. So you'll get to see these dogs, and um, so that you can imagine them in their TV watching habits. Uh, so that's that's really interesting that with those two dogs that are, that it does go along with the the theory. Um, so that's that's really funny that uh, that she says you know how much how much the dog loves watching other dogs on TV, and it and it does seem to be from um, from the dogs that I've seen that they do tend to be more attracted towards animals on TV than towards other things. Um, you know, even even if it does appear that they're actually some you know somewhat looking at the screen versus the sounds, it still seems to be other animals. So I don't know you know exactly exactly why that is. Um, so that so that's really interesting. And of course, you know, for listening, it seems like it's it's the same way. They're really attracted to different types of animal sounds as well. Or in Tyler's case, whenever there's a baby sound on television, she likes to pay special attention to that. But we know that when we adopted her, that she lived in a foster home that had a baby for a period of time. So maybe she thinks back to her foster home when she hears those sounds. I would I would think probably so, because um, the, as a matter of fact, it's very interesting to see when she hears a baby as opposed to, you know, when she hears animal sounds. Because with animal sounds, as, as we said before, she'll run up to the TV, um, you know, and kind of look at the speakers. I've never seen her do that with a baby. She just kind of picks up her head and is very alert. Um, and it, it, it almost it almost seems to be like, um, you know, like, like she does recognize it. And I don't know if she necessarily remembers what it is or not but um but yeah but she's she's very she's very alert to the the sound it doesn't it doesn't um just you know upset her at all but it's just almost like she's checking to make sure that that the baby's okay in her head or something so it's very 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 cute so thank you for sending in your stories about your dogs watching tv so we think we think that's that's so funny the way that um you know dogs dogs and and animals in general react to things so differently than we do and um and in so many different ways one of the things about dogs that's great is they're kind of you know you get you kind of get whatever you get with them they don't you know they don't they don't act um in any particular way to you know put on a show for you or whatever they just kind of you know do their thing and this is this is one of those times when you'll just you know however however they react to it it's it's a you know, no holds barred, whether it be completely ignoring it or getting really excited and, you know, looking for an animal that just ran off the screen. Our next email is from Lisa, who wrote in regarding the canine cast, where we had spoken about dog toys for dogs who are very, very heavy chewers. Um, in, that, in that particular canine cast, we had talked about both some ideas for some homemade toys, as well as some toys that would, you know, hopefully be more able to stand up to some power chewing. Now, with with us and our dogs, they they like to chew very very much, and, and they can really do a good job on a rawhide pretty quickly. But they're they're not the kind that are quite so powerful that they can tear apart Kongs, for example. But um, but as Lisa says in her email, her dog is, and so she has some great suggestions that we'd like to share with y'all. Lisa writes, I have some other recommendations for durable toys. 
At many pet stores, you can buy solid rubber balls. My Jaws of Life Labrador hasn't even made a dent in this. Goody Bones and Goody Ships are solid toys on this order made to hold treats. They're like the Kongs in that they come in red and black, with the black being the stronger. I found two great toys from sitstay.com. The Hurley stick is fairly indestructible, and my dogs love it. They also have a line of toys called Tuffy's Soft Toys. These are toys with squeakers in them and multiple layers of fabric. They are extremely durable. I've had to cut a few threads off of mine, but so far so good, and I've had it for about three months. Thanks for writing in to let us know about that, Lisa. And yeah, SitStay is a is a great site that has all kinds of um, equipment for dogs and uh, things that you may not find in your you know normal pet supply stores. And one of the one of the things that they do is they actually have a a group of toys that are just for chewers. So as as Lisa mentioned, um, there's a couple here that she's had great experiences with. So for those of you out there with your with your dogs that can crush just about anything, if you're looking for toys, I would recommend trying those. And I especially thought that the that the soft toys were really neat. Now this to get to the soft toys, it was a little bit tough for me to find them. Uh, what I had to actually do was go to toys. There's a little tab at the top of the web page, and then at the bottom it lists. Um, squeak, squeaking, grunting, soft, and latex toys. It's it's in that group. It's at the very bottom. Um, Tuffy's soft toys, and they actually describe what they do. They what what they what they've done is they've actually taken three different layers of material, and then it's also seven rows of stitching in here. And um, they it's it's just it's just amazing. They have squeakers inside of them, but actually there's so much material that they use in these that they say that it muffles the squeaker a little bit. So you have the extra added benefit of the squeakers being a little bit softer than normal. But the but these um seem like they would would really really stand up and especially if you, you know, if you are the type that would go ahead and repair your toys, it seems like these ones would last for quite some time and still be able to give dogs that um that softer chew toy that that some of them seem to prefer. So what what I've um run into with our dogs is, you know, as as I said they kind of tear through rawhide. So I've gotten them some of the, you know, the rubber toys and they're not they're not real crazy about those unless we actually put food into them. They they just love this they love rawhide food and softer stuff. So for a while, when Kyler was tearing apart the softer toys, it was it was really really a challenge, and uh, I wish I'd run across these these then because these would have been just up her alley. So you know, I recommend that you go ahead and give those a try. Lisa says that they're great, and let us know what you all think. So thanks, Lisa, for writing in and letting us know about those. Um, next, I have I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, planning for your animals in the event that you can no longer care for them. And this was actually um, brought to my attention from a listener email as well. This email comes from Joe and Lori of the A Guy, A Girl, and A Bottle podcast. Now, their podcast is about wine, but they ran across something having to do with dogs that they wanted to share with everybody. So they wrote in to do that. They write, Hey, guys. I found out about an organization in a volunteer-oriented newsletter and thought that you guys might like to check them out. Here's the article from the newsletter. After learning more than 500,000 pets are put to death in animal shelters each year after their owners pass away, Amy Shever founded Second Chance for Pets. 
As Shever's organization is the first and only organization dedicated to preventing pets from being orphaned and euthanized upon an owner's death, she is optimistic about her ability to make an important difference. No other organization is addressing the issues we are, so there's nowhere to go but up. Shever manages day-to-day activities and oversees about 90 volunteers who work on a number of different programs. For more information on Second Chance for Pets, visit them on the web at secondchanceforpets.org. And we'll have that link in the show notes and in the Enhanced Podcast. And thanks to Joe and Lori for bringing that organization to our attention. Thank you so much, Joe and Lori, not only for letting us know about that organization, but also for you know bringing this issue to light so that we can discuss it a little bit. Uh, now, you'll very rarely on this show hear me say anything negative about dogs, as, as most of you already know. But one of the sad things about having them around, of course, is that their life expectancy is so much shorter than ours. So the assumption for most people is that they will outlive their dogs. And in most cases, that's, that's correct. However, because of that, I think that leads to this situation in that people don't feel as much of an urgency to plan for what should happen to the dog in the event of their passing, especially if you know, it's, a, it's a person who has no reason to think that they're going to pass away anytime soon. However, as part of taking care of your dog, you really, really, um, it helps if you think about not only how to take of your, care of your dog while you are actually able to be there doing it, but also how to take care of your dog in the event that you cannot be there, either because you pass away or because you get sick and go into the hospital for a while or something like that. I had a similar experience to what Miss Chever saw when I was working in shelters and that there were a number of animals that were there because either their owner had passed away or their owner was very sick and in the hospital for an extended time or maybe the owner had gone into a nursing home and in these particular cases there were no family members to take the dog so the dog was there in the shelter and some of them ended up staying for quite some time before the shelter even had the opportunity to adopt them out. So it can be a very, very difficult situation if we don't plan ahead. So this organization is such a great idea to help people figure out how to essentially take care of their dogs when the people are not able to take care of their dogs themselves. For a lot of you out there, you may be in the very, very lucky situation of of knowing and and having spoken to maybe family members or friends so that there is an agreement amongst you that in the event that you can't take care of your animal, your sister who absolutely loves your dog is going to be thrilled to take care of it and will take good care of it. And if you're in that position, then you're very, very lucky. However, make sure that, that everybody possible knows about the situation. So that way, if for some reason somebody else is the one who comes and finds your dog, that they'll be, a- they'll be able to talk to somebody or find some- something written so that they will know where the dog is supposed to go and what arrangements have been made for the dog. On this website, it lists a number of different planning options for your pets and a few sites that will help you to do that as well. One is Pet Guardian, which they, which they say they have a comprehensive program for up to four of your pets that includes your documents, uh, cost analysis so you can figure out how much money it would take to take care of your pets, 
uh, and also ways to do some backup caregiver programs. So it's, it's kind of a one-stop shop for planning for your pets. There is, there's also another site called Estate Planning for Pets that will help you to actually create pet trusts to, again, um, so that you have the the, mo- the money there to take care of your pet, as well as, of course, finding a person to take care of your pet as well. For a lot of people, you may have some people in mind who would be able to take your pet in the event that you cannot. Other other people in your life who love dogs, love your dogs, and who would be a good caregiver. Now, I recommend that you that you kind of do a little bit of research and feeling out with this person what would, what kind of would happen if they were to take care of your dog before you approach them about it. I mean, obviously, they have to be okay with this, so you want to talk to them about it. But there are, you know, there may be some people in your life who, you know, absolutely love your dog, think your dog is wonderful, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to give your dog the kind of care that you would want them to. Maybe because they already have a lot of pets of their own, maybe because they work long hours, um, maybe because your pet has a certain quirk, maybe your pet is an escape artist and this particular person is just simply not the type of person who's going to be very good at foiling your pet's escaping abilities, um, whatever the case may be. Just um, make sure that you kind of feel out who you want to take care of your pet before you make all of these decisions. One way that you could that you could do that is if you if you've ever had you know a friend or a family member kind of you know watch your dog or help take care of your dog maybe while you're gone for a day, then you may have already seen kind of how they are with your animal. But um, that's that's one way that you could kind of test it out and feel it out to see how your how this person would actually be able to take care of your animal and whether they actually would be up to the responsibility on a longer term is to have a little little tiny trial run with them. Now, keep in mind that the person that you choose or the people that you choose may change over time for different reasons. Maybe they've added a number of animals to their family. Maybe they've moved. Maybe you've moved. Whatever the case is, you're going to want to keep up with different changes in your life and their life as time goes on to make sure that whoever you do decide on to take care of your animals in the case that that may be needed will actually be able to do that. Of course, that's why you would want to choose some backup people as well. So in case something unforeseen does happen, then there will be somebody else to take care of your pets as well. Now, if you're in the situation where you where you don't have anybody who could help take care of your pets, then um, then this site has a suggestion for that, which would be uh, there are sanctuaries and lifetime care programs for for animals in the event that they're person can't take care of them and and there's nobody else to take care of them however you do need to beforehand work with these places to actually set up that that is your plan and to make sure that they will be able to take your pet in the event that the the need arises so go ahead and check all of these different options out on this website and they're they're great they they can take you through the different steps they even have some suggestions for if you need to finding the sanctuary that you that you need to finding the right one for your pet and some things to look for there but um but you know even even though this is one of those things that's really really easy to put off because you know it's not that much fun to think about truthfully and 
you know, as as I said before, you know, the assumption is always that, you know, that you that you are going to outlive your pets. But um, it's it's a really, really important thing to do for your animals. As a matter of fact, Walter and I, I believe, need to update ours now that we've moved because we need to make sure that, you know, in the event that that should happen, chances are our families aren't going to just come traipsing in here necessarily right away. It would probably be somebody else who would, you know, find find everything and figure out what had happened. You know, we need to find a way that they would actually know that there are dogs that need to be taken care of and these are our plans. So definitely I cannot emphasize enough to be sure to do that as soon as possible if you haven't already to make sure that your animals will be taken care of in the event of the unforeseen. So thank you so much, Joe and Lori, for bringing that to our attention. Of course, we will have links to all of these in the show notes and on the enhanced podcast for you so that you can go ahead and visit these sites as well to get the the whole thing moving. Right, now we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. A dog's got to do what a dog's got to do. Hey, I should know. I'm a dog. Wolf. And what I got to do is chase squirrels, especially the one digging holes in my yard. Someday soon I'll get free and chase that lawn wrecker right out of town. You don't think your dog will run away? Your dog might think differently. One in three pets will get lost. Without ID, 90% won't return home. That's why vets recommend the Home Again Microchip, a safe, permanent ID that can bring your pet home. Talk to your vet about Home Again and visit homeagainpets.com. And thanks to our sponsor, Home Again. And now it's time for listener pictures. This picture was sent in by Janice. This is her dog, Jasper, that we were talking about earlier, the TV-watching dog. It's the one who likes to chase the turkeys. That's right. So if you don't have the Enhanced Podcast, you can see this picture online at the caninecast.com website's listener picture gallery. All right, everybody, be aware. Toby is making a break for the computer desk again. (laughs) And we also have a sound file from longtime listener Chris Daly. And he just sent this along and said to play it on the podcast. We don't know what it's about, but it's kind of mysterious. So here you go. Something fresh is coming. So I guess something will be coming, uh, and we'll find out more in the near future. So keep us posted, Chris. All right, and thanks for adding a little bit of uh, intrigue to the show, I suppose, as people will be waiting to find out what, what that's about in the future. Thanks, everybody, as always, for joining us and for supporting the show. We love getting all of your emails, your stories, and your questions, and your pictures, and feedback just means so very much to us. Um, We have the information for you at the end of the show for how to contact us, but please do keep sending those in um, as well as the voicemails because we love hearing from you and love putting this show together. But, you know, as, as you guys see throughout the show, so much of that depends on, you know, your feedback and your interaction. So thanks so much for doing that with us. And as always, until next time, if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please send an email to caninecast at gmail.com or you can leave a voicemail at 206-338-DOGS and you can leave a comment on our website at caninecast.com.